Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Saturday morning, I think it was, uh, 62 of our students, junior high and high school, took off for winter camp. 62 of them, all right? So just want to let you know, uh, please be praying for them. Um, they're having an awesome time uh, up, in, up in the mountains together. And, and by the way, the ushers are handing out just a little um, handout for this morning, which will be helpful, especially since we've got 20 minutes. So lastly, I wanted to say this. Um, for those of you here last week, Pastor Eric Hansen was here last week, and uh, he was really blessed by his time with us. You, were you guys blessed by, by what he brought? And uh, I just, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to say thank you uh, to everybody here for making him feel welcome and, and honored. That's a really big deal. When we have friends uh, from different denominations, different streams, different perspectives, uh, and we get a chance to share a space with them, it's, it's a major deal. And I think it matters... It matters not only to, to what's happening here, it really, I think it matters to God. I think he's really happy about those types of things. Um, and so, good job, I guess I could say. I mean, thank you. Thank you for warmly receiving him. And I know that as we continue to do that with friends and, 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 and people from other, uh, um, just partners in the faith, that God will continue to bless that. He's doing awesome things and, and cool relationships. So here's the deal. Uh, this morning, I, I want to just spend a few minutes talking about and just kind of teeing off into a, a new kind of conversation here at Vine Life that we're going to be in for the next several weeks. Um, obviously, this morning has already had a tone of uh, stepping into the love of God and, and, and stepping into the love of the Father, and we've, we've heard it in different ways. We've heard it in song and in prayer in ministry, we've heard it in testimony. And the cool part about the Church of Jesus Christ is everything we do, when we're loved by God, it is impossible for that not to permeate the people closest to us and the relationships around us. And, and we are going to be taking an extended period of time. We've been pr- praying into this and preparing for this for a long time. We're going to take an extended period of time over the next several weeks uh, to talk about relationships. And you see that graphic behind me that says one another. But a hundred times in the New Testament, um, we see instructions from Jesus and from Paul. We're given encouragement, tagged and attached with the words one another right next to it. And it's really interesting because about a third of those have to do with unity among believers. Uh, about a third of them have to do with um, humility, and then about four have to do with kissing, literally. I mean, so that's, you know, for the dudes in the room, that's probably good for you today. You have biblical precedence now for, you know, for your loved one, all right? So uh, the kissing thing is something that kind of gets lost, and it says greet, greet each other, greet one another with a holy kiss. That's something we've kind of lost, and probably for good reasons, maybe sometimes uh, in the church, but one another, it's a big deal. The relational priority of the gospel is a big deal. And it's something that we want to talk about for the several weeks um, because uh, relationships need, need work sometimes, right? 
I mean, I know, I know in this community, not so much, because I know you guys are great. You guys are perfect when it comes to relationships, right? And so as we're talking about these things, I'm not talking about you, but maybe if you have a friend that could really be helped by some of the things that we're talking about, right? Because I don't have any issues here. I'm guessing you don't either. Um, but, but maybe we know some people that will be helped. And, 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 I, and I, uh, I am joking, of course. I am joking, of course, because I've been a major mess up in this area. Um, so Friday night, we were here in this room, and there was this Love Songs concert, and it was a really fun time. And we just got to sing Love Songs just because... Um, because that's interesting and that's awesome. Sometimes it's funny to celebrate love songs, even if you're singing Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra and Aerosmith, all of that, awesome. And uh, there was one point in the evening where Dave and Tara Powers, who were doing the singing, they, they, they showed pictures of all the pastors um, that were represented in the room that, from the different churches that were involved, and they kind of sang a little love song to them. And, uh, or, or they sang one of you know, their key love songs, and Megan and I didn't have a particularly a the song that, you know, that they had asked for. And so they decided to uh, show a photo of us um, that was archived from the internet. And I think we have that photo. Do we have that photo, Joe? Okay. <laughs> and, you know, in the spirit of the roast we, that, partake, uh, that, that happened last week uh, on behalf of Bob Young. Uh, I thought I just didn't want to exclude myself from the mix here to think that it was unfair treatment, all right? Um, this was back in a day where um, I, I had the ability to grow flowing locks of hair, all right? And, uh, and since then, um, some of those hairs have stopped working, Okay. <laughs> And I don't know if I'm going a Bob Young trajectory with my hairdo or not, but uh, I thought I would show this. This is our engagement photo, um, one of them, I should say. And I got some kind of Zoolander look on my face. That's, that's, that's why I got hired by, by, for all the big modeling jobs right there. That one, that one made me a lot of money. Um, and... So following this photo, they decided to pick a love song for us, and they sang the song Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) And I'm trying not to be offended by that. (laughs) But I should say I was much prettier back then than I am now. Um, So this was taken shortly after this. We got married uh, almost 10 years ago. March 31st will be 10 years. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's great. And, you know, and obviously when you get married, you, you don't realize how much you don't know about relationships. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't re- you don't, you're not really aware of what you don't know until you start stepping into it. And you're like, wow, I, I, am I an idiot or something? Like, I, I have, I, I can't, it's hard for me to find my way around this. And I'll tell you an example. Our first Valentine's Day after being married. See, I was naive enough to think that all of the rules of the game changed after you get married. You know where this is going. You're already groaning on my behalf. Thank you. And I, I was foolish because I, for some reason I thought that after we get married that we can just set aside all these silly, you know, holiday games, right? All these little, you know, okay, that's great. This little naked baby shoots people with arrows and they fall in love. That's great. But we have real love now, baby, right? 
And, I, and, uh, and so we got to our first Valentine's Day, and I totally biffed it. I, I didn't realize that it was still a big deal after you get married, depending on who you're married to and how that works, or, you, you know, or whatever relationship you're in. Um, the, it just, there's kind of a, a sliding scale for my wife that's a big deal. And so the first Valentine's Day, I'm ki- I kid you not, and this, is, this may lower your, your, uh, your perspective of me in a lot of ways, but I didn't do anything. Not only did I not do anything, I didn't say anything. Not only did I not say anything, but that night, I asked if I could go out with the guys. <laughs> and I'm still alive by the grace of God. Miraculously, I'm still married. Um, but we had some work to do after that day, as you can imagine. And um, I'm really thankful for my wife. <laughs> um, and I've enjoyed about 10 years of happy marriage. But it was clear on that day, it was clear many days after that, that like, man, I, I don't always know how to preserve this space that we share and this connection we share. And, this is, and sometimes I'm just doing my best to guess. Sometimes weird things happen because I assumed one thing or I had certain expectations and she had another set of expectations. It was clear I was wrong in this particular situation. But so many, so much of our lives are spent... Um, in relationship with, with one another and, and, and focusing on the connection that we have with one another. And that, that connection sometimes can be fragile, sometimes it can be weak, but it, it has to be nurtured. And that's more or less the foundation of what a relationship is, is knowing the space that you share with yourself and another person. It doesn't necessarily have to be your spouse, but when we're talking body of Christ, you're talking about your actual family. You're talking about friends and relationships. We have so many different types of relationships and different types of proximities. And uh, the reality is, though, that as we come into Christ, as we are loved by God, um, the thing that speaks the loudest uh, about that relationship we have with God is how that fleshes out in the relationships that we have. And I'll tell you this right now, a church is exactly as healthy as the relationships that exist within it. A church, when we start talking about how healthy is our church, how healthy is our community, a church is exactly as healthy as the depth the quality of relationships that, that we share with one another. And they're on different degrees but it's important that as we grow into what we call the family of God, you know, uh, we have these four expressions, and one of them, we really believe that we are the family of God. We were to relate to each other as the family of God, and, you know, that's going to look a different ways. Obviously, not all of us can share a really close, intimate space, but no matter what that looks like in our relationships as we come together, what is the quality of that space that we share together? What are the hallmarks of that space? How would we describe those relationships? together. Because you know that the church of Jesus Christ, it's just so much more than buildings and budgets and programs and classes. Do you guys realize that? It is so much more than all the activity and all the announcements and the things that we do. 
that, that really at, at the center of, of the gospel, at the center of what Jesus was doing on earth, he wasn't just getting his disciples to do something. He was giving them a new way to be together. And what we're, how we're relating to each other is just as important as what we're doing. And that's why a hundred times in the New Testament, we see this instruction that has to do with how we see one another, how we behave with one another, how we treat one another, how we regard, how we speak to one another, how we resolve conflict together, how we call each other up and we confront each other in truth and loving kindness. All of those things have to be true because the greatest message that we share in this world is is, is displayed by the way that we love each other. In John 13, 34, this is exactly what Jesus says. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. He said, to the degree that I'm loving you, I'm calling you to love one another. And by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And it's important that we talk about these things because when we don't talk about these things, then the next option is for those of us to get really comfortable in the culture that we find ourselves in. And the culture we find ourselves in, the greater culture that surrounds us, relationships are messed up. And a lot of us maybe in the room, you're thinking, man, I have some relationships that are kind of messed up. And you look at studies of American culture, and, and statistically, trend-wise, it's, it's very clear that we live in a time where more or less most relationships are, are relationally bankrupt, where we've forgotten how to relate to each other, how to love one, each other, one another, how to, to honor one another. And when we don't talk about these things, we just kind of go to what we grew, we grew up learning. And that's what I'll talk about here in just a second. But it's, it's interesting because when we look across the board at a lot of our relationships, being our relationships with our parents or our brothers and sisters or even down to our neighbors, do you guys know that neighborhoods these days are designed to disconnect people, to erect fences and, and preserve privacy, to keep us away and distant from people all across the board? If we were to observe every type of relationship, we could see, oh my gosh, there is serious dysfunction going on. And if there's ever a time that the church of Jesus Christ needs to take up its place as the, as the beacon of what it looks like to live loving, reconciled lives, it's now and today. This is what we're called to. And it's a strange thing, though, to talk about that because not only are uh, relationships maybe more dysfunctional than they've ever been, but it's weird to look at that because we're actually more connected than we've ever been. You guys notice that? And so, like, right now, you could literally take out your phone and call somebody on the other side of the planet. Like, you can hop on your phone, and you're friends with somebody on Facebook. You literally could interact with anybody on earth within seconds. Isn't that crazy? For the first time in human history. It's wild what we have the ability to do. See, connection is not our problem. Connection isn't anybody's problem here. It's not interaction that we're craving. It's intimacy that we're craving. And what's happened is we've got so used to quick, bite-sized interactions. 
We've got so used to very shallow, surfacey things and, and the way we relate even on a, in a Facebook generation that we forget sometimes the fellowship and the quality of fellowship that the New Testament calls us into. And all of us get to be a part of that. But you look at Facebook, I'm telling you guys, you've got to be reminded again, Facebook, it's technically supposed to help with this whole relationship problem. No. I mean, it can, but come on, your Facebook feed, it lies to you, doesn't it? Everybody's best moments of the day with this cool vintage filter on it. It's like you took my, the, the regular moments of my day and put a nice little caption on it. It's just so unappealing, you know? And, and for most of us, what happens is we read this thing that's supposed to connect us, and, and statistically, it actually leaves us more lonely and disconnected and actually insecure about our lives because we see everything that's not happening in our lives. Does, does anybody else, has any, anybody ever been there? Some of you guys are too spiritual to be on Facebook. That's okay, too. That's totally fine. It's actually probably better anyways. But I believe that God is calling us, and, and, and for a while, we're going to be um, hunkering down into this because I do believe that we see relational priority in Scripture, and not just in the New Testament, all the way back in the beginning. You know that in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, it's amazing as we read the first couple chapters of the creation account. And what I love is, you know, scholars have looked into Genesis. It's written as if it's a song. There's a rhythm. There's a cadence to it. And it starts with God saying, let there be. And then he brings his own commentary. He says, and it is what? It is good. And it was good. It was good. Let there be. It was good. And you, it's, like the, it's like an awesome rap song. I mean, you're just kind of like going through the first chapter, and it's like this, this back and forth. There's a rhythm. It's a, as he's singing creation into being, into existence, as he's creating out of the poetry of his heart. But what's really interesting is we know that in Genesis chapter 3, things go badly. So in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve decide to to um, more or less disobey, disobey God and walk out of relationship with God. But something happens in chapter 2 that's really interesting. I don't think a whole lot of people give thought to, but in chapter 2, we're in the middle of this whole rhythm of God creating and then speaking His goodness. But then we get to Genesis 2.18. We're in the middle of it, and then there's just almost like this rock is thrown into the middle of the still pond. And it says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a a helper fit for him. And so we're in the middle of the the perfection of God's goodness. Adam walking perfectly in relationship with God. But even in the middle of a perfect world, perfect shalom and peace, even God himself looks down into that situation and says, That's good, that's good, that's good. That is not good. Because that is not part of your design. Isn't that crazy? God even said himself, that is not good. In the middle of a perfect situation, and what he was talking about is, Adam was not meant to be walking the earth alone. Not just, it wasn't enough for him just to have perfect relationship with God, that God wanted him to experience that in another human being. And so, God puts him to sleep, I should say, actually, he commissions him to name all the animals first. 
And so it's not good you're alone, so go name some animals for a while, because that's fun. And who knows, 100 years later? I don't know. We don't know. God puts him to sleep and removes a, a rib from his rib cage and fashions a woman. And then Adam wakes up, Eve wakes up, and Adam looks over and he says, Whoa, man. Right? And then he starts singing a song, you know? Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He just starts singing. Because he found, he found something in that. And the, the important principle, I think, in all of this is this. And we have to remember this. It is true, there's kind of this cliche that if you've been around church world very long, you've heard this. Um, and I don't like saying it, but it's actually true. Uh, that there's a hole in your heart and it's God-shaped. You guys ever heard that? Um, that we have a God-shaped hole in our heart that no, no person can fill. Okay, so it's true that primarily we're designed to be in a love relationship with the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Spirit. That was the plan. That is the plan. That's what Jesus has given himself for, right? But what we read in Genesis and then what we see fulfilled in the rest of the gospel, it continues to go, though. And so we have a God, God-shaped hole in our heart that no person can fulfill. But we also have a people-shaped hole in our heart that God chooses not to fill. You may say that again? We have a people-shaped hole in our heart that God chooses not to fill. No, I'm not talking about, again, I'm not talking about marriage here. I'm talking about people. That God designed us to live in a way where part of him we can only access and experience through his image in another person. And it's in the quality of, as we, as, as we nurture and cultivate intimate connections with people, and it doesn't need to be a lot of people, but it does need to be some people. As we cultivate intimate connections, that's how we experience certain parts of God's heart. And he says, listen, it's not good for man, it's not good for you to be alone. And so he puts loving people in our lives, or he sends us to be loved in somebody else's life. Because he wants us to experience him in that way. And, and from the beginning to the end of the Bible... This is the story of God. This is the story of what he's doing, that God is demonstrating his redemptive power in the world by bringing people back together. In Genesis 3, the, you know, that relationship fell apart as soon as disobedience entered the picture, as soon as, we, as soon as things shifted in Genesis 3. Not only was the relationship with God marked, but we shielded ourselves from each other. They fashioned clothes made out of fig leaves and, and the skin of animals, and they started hiding themselves from each other. And and shame um, entered the picture, which prevented people, pre- prevented Adam and Eve from actually being vulnerable and knowing each other at a deep, intimate level. And ever since then, the redemptive purpose on God has been to reverse that shame and to reverse what had happened, to ultimately that we would not only enter into and be exposed to, as we talked about earlier, and be exposed to the love of God, in a, in, a, uh, in a way that there had no walls, but for us to somehow, that, that would manifest into the lives of the people around us all the way to the degree to where even Paul in Ephesians 3 
would talk about this picture of the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, that the us together is the message to all of the world. In Ephesians 3, Paul writes this, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to rulers and authority in the heavenly places. That not it a wild idea that God's purpose from the beginning of time was not only to reconcile us to himself, but reconcile us to each other so that the nature and quality of what we hold together as the church of Jesus Christ is not just, not just makes us feel good if you're a part of the church, but it's actually an HD image of God's redemptive plan that he projects out to rulers in heavenly places. He basically points to the church as his example of, of his brilliance and his wisdom, and he uses the church to announce to all of the cosmos how powerful he is, that he's able to bring people back into relationship with himself and even back into relationship with each other. Isn't that wild? And, and it's important that we look at that because for, with all the stuff that we do, all the stuff that we find ourselves in, all, you know, if you're part of the life of the church, if you're serving, if you're giving, if you're, if you're engaged, if you're part of the house church, if you're doing types of things, and there's a lot of ways to connect, but, but as we come into these loving relationships and we start to ask follow-up questions and we start to peel back layers, we start to even in ourselves allow layers to be peeled back, there's something that happens and something, it's the wisdom of God that somehow inside of us, we begin to find the image of God inside of each one and it draws us into a stronger, more loving relationship with him in the end. And then, and then what Jesus says is, listen, for all the things that you're going to be known for, like, you know, he didn't say, he didn't say they will know you are Christians by your awesome building. They will know you are Christians by how theologically right you are. They will know you are Christians by how hard your band rocks, right, on a Sunday morning. They will know you are Christians by how put together you Dude, we, can, we, can look, we can point to all the things, but the basis, the cornerstone, the, the, the crux of how this gets displayed is through the fabric of what we share. And again, we don't have all the opportunity to have intimate relationships with everybody, but can I ask you, who are the people that you do that with? And I've been very confronted, even all this stuff is very confronting to me, because over the years I realized that I had relationships even with other Christians that were very surface level. We never asked each other, what is, what is the last thing Jesus said to your heart? We never asked each other, how is it I can really pray for you? We never really got inside. And, 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 and Barry was, was, was alluding to this earlier as he was sharing his testimony. As soon as something fell apart in his life, he had somebody he could call in a moment's notice and be vulnerable with and share his pain with. And somebody was there to meet that with him. And, and, and so I believe that what God is doing is he's wanting to shine a spotlight on the relational priority here, and that hits us in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to tell you, today and over the next several weeks, this is going to be both really encouraging and deeply uncomfortable. Why? Because we're difficult people. Okay. How many of you guys know a difficult person? Okay. 
how many of you just, how many of you didn't participate in that survey? Okay. Now we're all apart. Okay. Um, how many of you raised your hand for yourself and you said, I was the, I'm the difficult person, all right? Probably very few of us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all acknowledge that there's difficult people in our lives, but how, how many of us are first in line to say, you know what? I think I'm the difficult person, right? Because I look at my relationships and friendships and that type of thing. When something goes wrong, I'm never the difficult person. They're the difficult person. They could just adjust. I, I have, I know, I, I have a good grid of reality here and what needs to happen in this relationship for this to work. And you, you're the one that needs to adjust to my expectations, Right? Because I'm pretty sure I've got a handle on this, right? But the reality is all of this starts with us and acknowledging that on some level, at a deep core, that God wants to do a work in us to allow us to be loved by him so that we can love the people around us. And if we go back far enough, we'll see that a lot of us learn things along the way about how to relate to each other, how to protect our own selves from each other. And we learned these habits and relationships very early on. And probably a lot of us from our families, um, we've all had dysfunctional families on some level, okay? Just so you know. So some of us are like, my family's super dysfunctional. It's like, compared to what? On some, on some level, there's dysfunction across the board, right? I mean, even in this church community, right? I mean, it was perfect, right? Until, until you showed up. And we've all been talking about it, you know? No, no, no. I, I, it was perfect until I showed up, right? And so there's, there's a, cer- a certain level as we talk about relationships, especially over the next several weeks, there's a part where we have to dig in. And even today, kind of what I want to leave us with is we got to dig in. I know for myself, um, as I've done some reflection even recently, I've noticed that a lot of my relational habits or maybe even spiritual undertones of things I've believed about myself or how I'm supposed to relate came very early in my formation, even back in junior high, um, it, there were some difficult things that happened in junior high. I was at a school, and I wasn't, believe it or not, I wasn't the most popular kid in school. This is about to turn into a reality TV show right now. Yeah, so I'm going to invite my junior high friends up here to, to explain why they did that to me. No, I, I, wasn't the most, I wasn't the most popular kid in junior high, and there were some things that happened that were hurtful, you know, and I've forgiven those people since, but I realized, and probably some of you can do this too, you realize that even in those situations, I realized that there were certain tricks that I learned to protect myself. There's certain armor that I I realized that I could wear to to keep myself impenetrable to what was happening. And and I think I've worked through all those things, but I realized over time, like, wow, That might be why sometimes when I have friends and I get really close to people, I fear that they're going to reject me on some level. And so I'm always waiting for that conversation when they're going to let me know they've come to the end of me. And I'm I'm, I'm kind of being serious. I know it is funny, but I'm kind of being serious at the same time only because I know that some of you have had experiences like that and you learn over time. We learn over time how to, mani- how to manage and keep ourselves safe from being hurt and experiencing pain. And what I'm telling you is, I-, I believe that what God wants to do inside of us 
is as we're learning to relate to each other, he wants, to learn, he wants us to learn how to be loved perfectly by him. And that's what this morning was kind of about. To, to, learn, to learn to be loved perfectly and then to allow ourselves to enter and to share a space with somebody else where we can nurture a space that's, safety and tr- that's safe and trustworthy and honorable, where we can be vulnerable with ourselves and expose the things of our heart without worry that they're going to trample. And no, you can never be certain of that, but as a church of Jesus Christ, as we come and we share that space together, we can grow into that in unprecedented ways. And this, guys, again, I believe, is what God wants to remind us of that he has placed us on the earth, the church as the reservoir of the kingdom of God on earth, to be the perfect manifestation of his purposes that he wants to move in to the rest of the world. I do believe, as our friends from North Carolina said, that family is the revolution. The family of God is the revolution. And so this morning, as we're, as we're at the end of our time here, and I okay, I launched, I just kind of lobbed a grenade, all right? Really broad brush stroke, and we're going to get into some nitty-gritty stuff, and it's going to be really good, and if you have the guts, I encourage you to show up and dig in, because this has to do with you, and it has to do with people that God loves, and it has to do with us, not, knowing, not just knowing how to nurture a space, but when, when a relationship goes bad, how to move through that in a way that's honoring and pleasing to heaven. And we can do it. And he's, he's wanting us to press into this. And so today, the encouragement today as we leave this place, I do believe that the main thrust of today happened during worship. And what was happening during worship and during ministry is God was releasing love in this place. The degree to which we allow the love of God to penetrate us, it shapes everything we do from there on on. It shapes the way that we love, the way that we interact. It allows us to even, for certain people, um, lovingly confront some things that need to be confronted, right? And, and this morning, as we leave this place, and as, we, as, as, as you ponder some of these things even this week, and as you take that list and look at the one another's in Scripture, I just want you to ask the question, how am I doing with this? How's it going? Do you see patterns? How, how are your friendships going? Do you have, have you allowed certain people to go deep with you? Have you engaged others to go to a level of depth that you haven't had? Is it hard for you? Why is that hard for you? Ask some questions just between you and the Father. And as he begins to open that up for us, he's just going to take it deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper so that we are a, a church and a community marked by the family of God. Are you guys with me on that this morning? Is that an okay place to land? Hey, can we stand together? We're going to close up shop for the day. And in the spirit of what we're talking about today, unless you have to just bolt because you're that hungry or you got to get your kids you know go get your kids but if you got a couple minutes say hi linger for a second hug a neck get in a really uncomfortable situation place yourself in a deeply awkward moment as a response to the love of God
Jesus, I thank you this morning. I, I bless each and every person here to be loved by you. I bless each heart to be open and to be tender to anything that you want to speak and expose us to this week. And God, as we enter into this dialogue over the next several weeks, God, I thank you. Um, I thank you for what you're stirring up, and I thank you that you're shaping us and you're forming us as a collective, as a people. And you're going to take, you're going to confront some things, and we welcome that. You're going to encourage us and affirm us, and you're going to comfort us in some places, and we welcome that as well, God. We bless every person here, Lord God. Thank you for those who came in for the first time here. Um, we just pray that we're all, we all leave with a better sense of who you are and who we are in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to have our